0: What's up, everyone? It's your girl Deanna Reese Williams for another DRW Podcast Show. And today we have Miss Atia Wells, the founder and executive director of Backyard Base Camp Incorporated, a nonprofit that is the purpose of it is to reconnect Black and Indigenous people of Indigenous and people of color to land and nature. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. So what you all don't know as an audience, a TNI connected or TNI connected over two years ago. And I promise you, I've been a fan of Backyard Basecamp ever since I knew all of the work she's doing in the Baltimore area. I'm sure you all have seen, um, well, I don't know if you have seen the Kelly Clarkson show, but they were featured on the show. Um, She's been featured through natural start alliance and among so many other organizations just making sure that backyard base camp has a voice and is it's just showing up everywhere so tell us tell us about who you are and what do you do
1: yes sorry i had to make sure my phone was silenced Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Um, as Dee mentioned, I am Mattia here in Baltimore City, Maryland, um, and I'm the founder and executive director of Backyard Base Camp, um, where we have a 10-acre land reclamation project called Bliss Meadows um, that we have sort of turned vacant land into a space for urban environmental education. Um, We have an urban farm where we also have an element of food access. And we also have farm animals on site that we use for educational purposes. So we have chickens, we have goats, we have sheep, we keep bees, and we teach people all about how they can keep these animals in their backyards in Baltimore.
0: Wow. So with teaching them I'm just
1: curious, have people actually added animals to their backyards yet? Yes, Um. so the gift and the curse of the pandemic, right? A lot of people were home and so, um, people really started with chickens because they are like easier to manage um, and they're not as hard as people think they are. you just need to like give them a home and cover them, keep them safe from predators. Um, but once people sort of got the handle on that and you know we told them what stores they needed to go to, what the permitting process looks like, um, a lot of people were excited to to get chickens. Um, and then like baby chicks are so cute like everybody wants to have a baby chicken. I'm like, yeah, but you know, make sure that you're ready for, for when right. they get for when they get older, when they get bigger. Um, but a lot of folks definitely have started with chickens. They love getting fresh eggs. Um, and now we have like a little chicken community um, on wow. Facebook.
0: <laughs> I love that. I have So we have three chickens, also known as the City Chicks. And we <laughs> started very small. We started with four, but unfortunately, one of them passed like within a few days of us having her but it is the, I feel like it's kind of the gateway. And it's funny, my family's like, so you guys have a farm? I'm like, no, we have three chickens, three. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess with three chickens and three dogs, they consider it a farm at this point. So, wow, that's amazing. So what about the importance of reintroducing the community to nature? Um, Mm -hmm. You stated that basically you wanted people to really connect even within their own backyard. So, why was that important for you?
1: Um, for there was there was a few reasons, but the main reason was that when I first became sort of a lover of nature about 10, 11 years ago, um, I wanted to like know all of the things, right? So, I was signing up for all of the workshops and classes on nature education, environmental education, um, you know, tree identification, things like that. And I just kept noticing that I was always the only black person in all of these rooms no matter what day time um time of the year like i was always the only one so i just i had this like burning desire to understand why that was um and also to be the face that i was missing and so i felt like you know in order to to sort of uh, reclaim or reframe that narrative, um, I needed to create a space, a safe space for Black people to come and learn um, about nature and just um, reconnect with and remember what it was like to to play outside and to 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 live outside and to just you know. Um, be close to trees and plants and and insects and things like that. And I learned a lot about ancestral wounding and ancestral trauma and just for Black folks and other folks of color, you know, um, my mentor Leah Penniman, the author of Farm and Wild Black has said like nature may have been the scene of the crime, but she is not the criminal. Um, And so so many bad things have happened to us outside that we as a people sort of have come to associate nature with bad things happening to us. Um, And what I like to say is that, part of the reason why we were stolen and enslaved is because we knew we knew the land we were of the land and so that was um, the driving force behind african enslavement um and so again i just want to empower um people especially those who live in the cities to to really like bridge that gap and become go back to nature reconnect um with your roots
0: absolutely wow there's so much just within that statement especially um I talk about my experience of just growing up um, visiting my grandparents in New York City mm-hmm. and that the connection to nature was literally stepping outside of the apartment and walking the city blocks and going to the store. And even though people think like, oh, well, that's not a big deal, but it was a big deal because the playground downstairs was like concrete and mm-hmm. then like rubber turf, like that was it. Um, but it was a big deal if you went to Central Park, like that was the main green space. but. I still feel like when you step out of the building you're still stepping out into nature there were still trees I remember yeah. them very distinctively as a child so I think it is important to um just to start reconnecting
1: mm-hmm. so
0: why do you think it's uh why do you think nature is important for young children
1: from personal experience um I don't think I've shared it with you but um I suffered from postpartum depression after I had my second child, my son, and um, going outside with my kids really helped me to heal through that process. And what I found is that outside, my kids were different kids. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't um, continuously looking for me, looking to me to like entertain them. They like found, um, they found entertainment and like the sticks and the leaves and, you know, like they would sit near the stream in one of our local parks and just play there for hours. We spent like five hours in a park one day. Um, And it was like the most magical day to all of us. Um, And I also have witnessed them like becoming more confident, them becoming more kind and compassionate, um, them becoming like better friends um, because, you know, they, they've they started to sort of house insects and snails and things that they <laughs> find. Um, and, and just the pure joy um, that I see and that I witness in these kids when they like find something as common as like a pine cone. They're like, Miss Tia, I found a <laughs> pine cone. And it's like, it, it, you just have to go back to like your own childhood and just working with kids outside, it gives you like this this new chance to sort of see things with fresh eyes again yes. um, and to understand the world in a different way. Um, I, right now I can akin that to like, you know, when people become grandparents and it like, they say we're parents again, now we got a right. second chance to do it. Um, I feel like just being outside with my own kids, with other people's kids and really like showing them what they can do and like really helping them step into their own bodies outside is has just been amazing and and I I have not seen the same effect indoors
0: absolutely I mean everything you just said okay so I'm going to try to pick this apart because one of my dear friends and actually a lot of my close friends had babies in the last year or two and Mm -hmm. one of the things that each one of them said was that they would take their baby for a walk and Mm. it was just like it not only helped the baby but it also helped them Mm -hmm. and just them going through just postpartum just having a baby being at home being pregnant during a pandemic and then being very protective of their baby after like, and you're still living in a pandemic. So it it just seemed like a lot of them have expressed like being outdoors was like the one space that they felt free. And it Mm. wasn't the same as like going to the grocery store or going, picking up another child from school. It was like, I didn't have to worry about anything. I didn't have to worry about protecting the baby, putting on a mask on myself. I could just walk the neighborhood and just kind of like zone out. And so that's one big piece. And then everything you just said about young children and outdoors, I tell people I could probably never be inside with children ever again. And they look at me like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, Mm -mm." my last year in public education was intense. Mm -hmm. We eventually introduced nature to them. But the difference between the first semester and the second semester with the children was night and day. All of the okay. extreme behaviors that I kept getting in class and cause all of the children that I worked with were primarily on IEPs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was just a lot, just a lot. And for whatever reason, my class list, they gave me all the kids with all the tough needs and it was fine, we made it work. But it was something about them going outdoors and being in the garden area, playing outside for more time versus playing with the toys inside. It just, it was more of an issue of like, okay, time to get on the bus. And they're like, no, I don't wanna go. And I'm like, no, you have to go. Because Miss B <laughs> needs to go home. Um, but it's it's really, it does feel like it's different seeing seeing from their perspective, how they're connecting with nature. And then there's the children that have never really connected. And then they become super overwhelmed and they don't know what to do with themselves. And they're like, what is wrong with this picture? Like, why am I outside? So I think that's really interesting that you um, talk about that.
1: Yeah, um, we, we ran a summer camp last year and we intentionally um, only accepted kids who live in the city um and so we had a group of like seven or eight city kids they range from like we go outside all the time to no we don't really do outside like that and it was just so incredible to witness their change in their behaviors over the eight weeks that we ran the this pilot program um, to go from like the first day where they all wanted to kind of like stay on the farm side um, and under, we had like an event tent, so they would stay under the event tent. They wanted to stay there all day. They didn't want to venture out. They cried when we went into the woods <laughs> to like the next two to three weeks where like, we could not get them to go home. <laughs> we, had wow. to, we had to go literally into the forest to get them um, to be like, Hey, it's two o'clock. Your parents are waiting for you. You gotta go. And they're like, no, we don't want to go. We're going to stay here forever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so yeah. it. And I think that is just the, a testimony to the consistency of taking kids outside like if you do it here and there like you ain't you ain't gonna witness the change but like when you do it every day for a couple of hours and then they have um you know caring adults who aren't afraid to touch stuff with them you know they they want to explore more and they start finding things um and they it leads to that point where they do not want to go home. Exactly. I mean,
0: everything you said, it, it, it reminds me of my childhood. It was like, okay, go outside when the streetlights come on, then come mm-hmm. home. That's how that worked. You know? Um, okay. So one of the other topics that you had mentioned was taking, um, taking a walk in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And how does this connect with urban EE and equity and inclusion?
1: So um... It connects on a very deep level, um, very deep and personal level, um, especially for me, because like I said, I was not a nature lover until about 10 or 11 years ago until, um, you know, I started just looking outside and, and, you know, with the guidance of all the field guides and some other books that I had, I started to notice how much life (laughs) exists in my backyard or exists in cities and i have a i live on a tiny lot maybe like a tenth of an acre um it's not that big but even to just you know we call it like the um to do like a, a square foot vision um right. so you just you put down a, a a square foot um and you just peer into that small space and you see everything that you can see um and one of the first nature classes I remember going to our facilitator was like okay look down at the ground and tell me what you see and we were all standing up and we were all like grass and he was like nope look closer so he had us like getting down on our hands and knees and like looking in this tiny area and he was like okay now what do you see and I was like oh snap grass is made up of different plants like (laughs) there are different leaves like there are different it's not just grass there's like you know now i know the names of the things but there's like dandelion there's plantain there's chickweed um there's clover like all of these different things and then you know we started to see like the bees on the dandelions and the ants and the and i was like oh my gosh right what is this <laughs> and and this like you know every time i stepped outside i would see something new like i would see you know all of a sudden i started seeing all these birds and i was like where these birds come from we ain't never had as many birds in our backyard <laughs> And, you know, just from having field guides, I started to know the names of the birds. I'm like, okay, that's an, that's an American robin. That's a cardinal. That's a blue jay. And I was like, oh, we have blue jays here? Um, to, you know, increasing to, you know, uh, seeing hawks and seeing owls. Like, it was just mind-blowing to me um, that, you know, this, My my entire life, I've been living in the city and I had never seen any of these things like again just looking at things with child eyes with fresh eyes like oh my god there's so much life that exists around here how have I not seen it before
0: absolutely
1: I it's so funny
0: you say that because one of the things when you mentioned walking taking a walk in the neighborhood one of the things that my my husband and I challenged ourselves with was walking every day um Mm -hmm. last year in 2021 not that we don't walk anymore we certainly do but it was part of doing that is that, I mean, we walked the neighborhood, but it was different because when you're stuck at home all day and you don't have plants in the house, and even if you do, like nothing moves, like nothing's growing, it's just, you know, but it was nice to step out and see the seasons change, see Mm -hmm. like the changes in the neighborhood to see that the prickly pear cactus does go dormant during a season. Um, to actually see a chicken hawk, like all these things that I'm like, wow, that, that's been around. And then my husband was, he was in one of the back rooms and he was like, yeah, I'm going to put a feeder right here. So when I look out the window, I can see all the birds. So he's <laughs> like, he I'd be in the middle of a meeting. He's like, Dee, come here, come here. There, there's a bird. And I'm like, what? And of course that poor vision. So I can't, I'm trying to see and make out what he's seeing, but it was just, it was actually realizing how much was coming to our neighborhood. And I've had Mm -hmm. like friends that are, that have been in the environmental ed world forever. And they're Mm -hmm. like, yeah, this plant's going to attract this in your yard. And I'm like, really? Is it? Does it. I, I don't know what you're talking about, but it did. And one of them was like, you, I would call it, she works for, um, what is it? National wildlife federation or something like that. And Mm -hmm. you can make your, you can label your yard as like a a wildlife, uh, Mm -hmm. habitat.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: And she's like, you need to be on that list. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think I have a habitat, but after observing for an entire year, I could see it between like you're saying the, the, uh, at one point we always get uh, woodpeckers in our yard, like all mm-hmm. the time, um, bees, all kinds of stuff. And it's like, that's not even having a full fledged garden. That's just the yard is attracting yeah. this. You know what I mean? So that's really interesting. And I definitely, do you guys walk the neighborhood too with the children when you have them or?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. Um so we there are like a couple of entrances to Bliss Meadows. And so we'll like walk around. Um, we'll take the kids around so that you know the elderly old ladies on a porch can say hi to them or that they can say hi. Um and get like give some snacks. You know the old ladies always have snacks. I love it. I love it. (laughs) And so um one of the things that we try to talk about, or try to infuse in, in into the kids, is this: this um, the culture of community. And so, you know, I think now people are just so used to—well, not anymore—but um, before, people were so used to just like driving to work and driving home and not really doing anything in between, to the point where like we don't even know who our neighbors are. Um, And uh, this also stemmed from, you know, the pregnancies that I had. Cause like, I'm originally from New Jersey. I live in Baltimore now, so I don't have a lot of family here. And I remember thinking like, you know, everybody's always like, it takes the village to raise kids. And I'm like, where the hell is the village? (laughs) Where y'all at? (laughs) So true. It's like, where's the village?
0: Right. You can't have a village
1: if you don't know who your neighbors are. (laughs) Right. Um, And so we with bliss like we try to, again, just instill this culture of building community of knowing who your neighbors are of understanding like, where you exist like you exist in a larger ecosystem. um, And you need to know who lives around you just in case you know you need something like. Um, last year, we had a Mother's Day tea party. We're having another one this year. Um, and it was really interesting to see like the neighbors come together. And like, there were people who lived on the same street for like 16 years, girl, and didn't Ain't never met each other, don't even know each other's name, never seen each other before until they came to an event at Bliss. And I was like, that's crazy to me. Like growing, yeah. I grew up, you know, in a hood. So like everybody knew everybody. It was part of the projects that got that became like a subdivision. So like you knew whose kids were whose, you knew whose auntie was whose. Everybody knew your parents. So like coming to, it was like culture shock for me to come to a place where like that was not the norm. Yeah. Um, and like our house was a community house. So like the kids were always, we had like computers and stuff. So kids were always in our house. And so I was like, yo, my kids don't have, we they don't have that. No. And, you know, I was like, people, I was like, go tell the kids to play outside. I'm like, ain't no other kids out there.
0: <laughs> I, I've been saying that is yes. I have said, kids don't that. go outside because
1: there are no other kids to play with. So when there they go no outside, like five kids. minutes later, they're like, all right, I'm done.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's like nothing. And yeah, this is, this is a whole conversation I've had um, for, I feel like for the last two years, mm-hmm. just talking about like, I live in an older neighborhood and they put a new neighborhood up across the street. And it's interesting because the yards are much, much smaller, like much Mm. smaller. And I'm like, well, how do they play? Like, if you want to have a friend over, like, where do you play if you wanted to play outside? Like, are you playing in the street? Not that you can't, but like you just said, people don't, they're not as connected to their neighborhood as they were before. So like people don't even drive on the street as if children live in the neighborhood. They drive, like you know, it's just a regular highway. Um, but it made me think, like, okay, well, the park is a half mile away, which is fine. But it's like, you what are you gonna do? Send your four-year-old outside and say, Okay, go take your friend, go walk to the park. Like it's just it, there's just this huge disconnect. And mm. I remember when I became a parent guardian, it was it was different because I'm like, Well, what where are the friends? Why, why are you not hanging out with anybody? Like, what is happening? And I realized like it's part of the generation. I don't know if we're just fearful. Well, I do know that (laughs) based off of documentaries and research and all of that, but there's this this fear that children can't be outside. And if they are outside, something is going to happen to them. And so um, I just think it's great that you're building community within the neighborhood and building that village. I think that's important. All right. So for my new segment for the podcast, we have the ECE Hot Topic. And there's a couple of topics, one of which we're kind, we've kind of already been covering, but redefining what nature is. Why is that a hot topic? And I believe it ties in with equity, inclusion, and cultural uh, relevancy.
1: Yes. Um, so I, like I said, you know, I didn't consider myself as like a nature lover growing up, um, until I went on my first hike about 11 years ago. And I had always envisioned that like being outdoorsy or, you know, being nature connected, I wouldn't be able to, unless I lived on the West coast, or I wouldn't be able to experience the wilderness unless, you know, I was in the redwood forest or something like that. And so the first hike that I went on, um, we were about 30 minutes away from our house. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) like, it's right here. <laughs> right, right, It's literally right here, um, right. which also, you know, tied me back into exper- exploring my backyard more and exploring my neighborhood more. Um, and so I just think that there, the culture of uh, connecting to nature or connecting to the outdoors is different because like as a child, I was outside, like you said, until the streetlights came on, but I would never consider myself as like, being outdoorsy or like right. connecting to nature, you know, like we climb. No, we didn't really. We we kind of climb trees. My brother would like run up trees and do backflips and stuff. Wow. Um, <laughs> and like you know, we made mud pies and and things like that. But again, like I would not consider that as being like nature loving or being outdoorsy. That was just us playing outside. Right. Um, and so like, and we spent a lot of time in the backyard, like in the in our subdivision. Like there was a shared backyard. And mm-hmm. so like each um, each house or each apartment had that one general backyard um, where we all hung out. But like, again, we did not consider that at the time, just, you know, connecting to nature. That was just us, again, being out, outside. Um, and so I think when we talk about like equity and inclusion, redefining what that term means, because it means different things for different people. Right. So Had it just been, had the definition of like outdoorsy been what I just described, then I probably would have considered myself as, you know, outdoorsy. I'm like, I'm outside all the time. Right. Every day I come home from school, I drop my bag off, and I go outside until it's dinner time. Um, But yeah, so it just is not like that and then when you also have the picture of an environmentalist or an outdoorsy person or a nature-loving person it's always like a white man and like a Patagonia sweater um with like some 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 hiking gear and like the the ski shades right Right. um and (laughs) and so I was like okay like that's not that's not the space for me that's not the space that I'm trying to be in I do like being outside and even when I started liking to to hike and everything like I still did not consider myself outdoorsy because I wasn't doing like extreme sports. Like I was just like hiking a mile or three or something like that. Like I wasn't, I wasn't... I was like cons- I wasn't living the life, so to speak. Like,
0: right. <laughs> right. No. Everything you're saying, I'm like, is she? Was she living my life too? I didn't think. I was like, no, I'm not an outdoor. I mean, I was outside, but I wasn't doing these things. Yeah. And then I tell people, I'm like, the first time I camped, I was in my 30s. Like, I didn't know what that was like. Like, and my yeah, family, tell you, my dad's like, and you tell people for the record. Mm-hmm. This is what you were
1: doing. This is what life, you like, were doing. Yeah. So and like I, I can. I always talk about my younger years when I was young, broken, fabulous. Um, <laughs> I, like, I like getting my nails done and my hair done I- and. And I felt like, you know, when I sort of crossed over into this world of being like naturey, I was like, oh, I can't do those things anymore because nature yes. people don't do that. Yes. <laughs> so yes. I had this like identity crisis I was going through. <laughs> I yes. call it a quarter, I call it a quarter life crisis. Cause I'm like, I can't be who I used to be because now I'm naturey. And so I need to present like a naturey, like crunchy it. type person. Yes.
0: Oh my gosh, you know what? And I can't think of her name, but she's out of Colorado. Oh my gosh. I think her last name is Bushman. Mm -hmm. I can see it. But anyways, every time I see her with her colorful glasses and bold lipstick, I'm like, thank you. Thank you for saying it's okay that I'm wearing my pink or red lipstick and occasionally we will have on nails or whatever else I'm doing because it's like, that's just who I am. And mm-hmm. that I'm going to wear these colorful yoga pants when I go hiking and like, what are you Jamaican? Like, that's what it is. Like,
1: <laughs> I know. It, it was, it was a true identity crisis. I was like, like, can I still shave my legs? Like, can I <laughs> still, like, can I wear dresses still? Like, do I have to become this whole new person? Um, right. Yeah. And I, I definitely had a quarter life crisis because I was like, this is who I used to be. This is who I'm becoming. But oh can I still, God. I don't feel like I can still do these things. Um, and then like, once I broke out of that, like I've been fine. <laughs> right. It was an ordeal. Right. Did you feel
0: like it impacted your hair and how you styled it or anything along the lines of that?
1: Um, You know, We lived in Florida for about two years Um, in 2016, yeah, 2016, 2017. We came back to Baltimore in 2018. And prior to living in Florida, I had always had my hair straightened. Like I don't, I stopped perming my hair in um, 2009, I believe. Um, So just, so I had it natural, but I would always get it um, flat ironed or like straightened. Right. Um, and then we moved to Florida and like, you just wasting your time getting your hair. Florida. Um, and then when we came back is when we came back from Florida is when I started like getting into nature and I felt more comfortable at that time wearing my hair, um, natural because of how it, how it, I, I wore it in Florida. And I felt like, you know, my natural curl pattern was popping more, um, because right. I wasn't introducing that heat element anymore. And so I, I think I'm more comfortable with my hair um, than I think I would have been had we not moved to Florida. Yes, yes. And see, I've been
0: wearing locks for a decade now, but I yeah. kept relaxing my hair around, when did we move to Arizona? 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last relaxer may have been 2010, 2011, somewhere in that neck of the woods. But yeah, I was, I was done.
1: I was done with all of that. But I, and that's a whole nother conversation because all the back in the day like there was not a lot of support for for natural hair there were not a lot of products and you don't know how much money I wasted trying to find the right <laughs> yes. Yes. to find the right products and dealing with you know people saying what you gonna do with your hair girl what you gonna do with your hair what you gonna braid it you gonna keep it like that you but now there's this whole natural hair res- revolution I'm here for it. I love it yes. Yes. all the products are better now <laughs>
0: Yes. Yes. I know. My, I love my mom, but you typically, when I see her, she just pets my head like this, like, what, what are we doing? What are we? I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's natural. It's neat. It works. It's easy. doesn't take up time. It's, it's yeah. everything I want when it comes to hair. So, okay. One of the other questions regarding hair, cause we talked about this before we, before we started the interview, you were sharing the story mm-hmm. about your daughter who has locks and then yes. living in Florida, and some of her experience with her hair in nature, and you're like, what is, go- like, what is going yes. on? Yes. And I, I feel like I have to have this conversation, because I know that there are a lot of listeners that are like, I don't get it, but I, I'm like, I need you to understand.
1: Yes, Black this- women in our hair, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. yes, yes, yes. Um. Yes. Yeah, so, We lived in Florida and like, there's just sand everywhere in Florida. And so her, the preschool that she was in their backyard was just like sand covered. Um, and so like there was sand everywhere, sand in her shoes, sand in her clothes, sand in her hair. I used to be like, what are y'all just throwing sand at each other? Like in school, (laughs) like, why is there just so much sand? And it was so hard to get out of her hair because she had locks. Um, and like I didn't want to be that mom who was like, listen, y'all, you can't be happy. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. I'll need to protect my baby from having all the sand in her hair because it takes a whole lot to wash it. Wash day is a hot mess for us. Okay. Right. Um and so I like I literally just had to deal with it. Like we live 10 minutes away from the beach. And in Florida, like, if you ain't got nothing to do, you just go into the beach anyway. Um, right. and so like once I sort of let the rains go on the sand being in her hair. We, have, we were on our way to moving back to Baltimore anyway. And then, you know, I had to cope with, um, you know, getting sticks and leaves in her hair because now she was like rolling around in the grass. Um, but like witnessing how happy she was in the moment and then um, playing with mud with my kids. Like, oh, we had like the time of our lives. So she was, my, my husband calls them mud babies. Like, <laughs> they just love mud. Um, they get it everywhere. Got on her face, got on her hair. Um, but now I'm like, you know what, we have a washer and dryer, we have a tub. <laughs> you know? well, clothes can be washed and kids can be showered like it's not that big of a deal. However, um, when I did teach in public schools like this was a big part of parent engagement because like, for some reason, the school thought it was a good idea for these kids to wear bright yellow shirts. Um, and so like their uniforms all, always got dirty and then just talking to the parents, they'll be like, you know, I don't mind them being messy. It's more so that I do not have a washing machine in my house or in my apartment. Mm. And so this is a trip to the laundromat that I had not budgeted for. Um, right. and I was like, um, I feel that let's throw some yes. aprons on these kids or like get some big t-shirts for them to put on when we're doing our outdoor play, because like I respect I respect parents um, and their wishes, and like I know what it's like to struggle. I didn't, wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth, um, and so I feel like a lot of schools, especially nature-based schools, are always like the kids will get dirty. You just got to deal with it. I'm like, actually, that's no. Such a good point that is <laughs>
0: such a good point. Gosh, that's such a good point, especially like the hair piece for my mm-hmm. mom. She was a work she she's career retired Air Force, and it really was not an option. Like I literally did not go swimming except on Fridays because she knew she could wash my hair on Friday night, but it was just, it was not possible. When it's like you got some place to be at seven thirty in the morning, you don't get off till five o'clock. Your kids got homework. You got all this stuff to do. It's not functional. And as she would say, you don't have wash and wear hair. This was Great. back when you know she was relaxing my hair and all that other stuff. So it's a lot different than having natural hair. But I think that's such a bigger conversation. Also, if your clothes are super muddy, like that can be. It can cost a family to have to go to the laundromat. And I trust and believe, understand that on so many levels. And even when, because I, much like what you were saying, my daughter, when she was little, and I know she would be like, why is my hair always corn rolled up? Like why? But it was my way of saying like, okay, it's manageable. Like I can get the dirt out if it's there. I really don't want you to get dirty in your hair, but it makes it easier. But also like she can swim. And that was a big thing for me. Like, I just did not want her to grow up not knowing how to swim Um, as someone who nearly drowned at 14 because I could swim, but I didn't have the skills. I never had lessons or anything like that. And all of it was surrounding my hair. And so um, I I just didn't want to do that. And so
1: thank you for sharing the story about your daughter. And not to mention there are parents who don't do their kids here. Like they send their kids... To a salon to get their hair done, so it's like, and and like like we said, black women in their hair is a source of pride. So, exactly, and I was messing up my hairstyle. Exactly,
0: and I was one of those parent guardians that also just did not know how to corn roll. So it was like, mm-hmm. okay, we go into the hair shop every week or every other week, whatever we had to do, um, in order to keep that that protective style. So. Yeah. But I think that's a it's a really important topic for um, for all listeners. And I I hope it it helps empower some of the parents that are like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I feel comfortable, but I think just hearing your story, my story um, and just this ECE hot topic, it might encourage them. So you just never know. All right. So any special or upcoming projects going on at Bliss Meadows Urban Farm that you would like to share with the audience?
1: Um, we do have summer camp coming up, which is exciting to be doing it for the second year in a row. We're actually expanding it this year. So we'll have, we have space for 24 kids in the program last year. We only had eight. So, um, and then we opened up registration last year. We only had eight spots, 40 families tried to register. So we made more space, um, for families this year. Um, and then we also have Um, a clay series, it's called Be More Clay Series, which I'm really excited about. Um, There's this black woman um, who creates um, sculpture and her passion in life is really getting more uh, black indigenous and people of color into clay work. Um, But it is like a really cost prohibitive um, field. And so she wants to create this offering to run this series for four weeks, um, teaching them how to work with clay, how to sculpture, They'll fire it and then they'll have a sculpture to take home. So we're really excited about those two things this summer. We try to keep our summer fairly light because we do have summer camp, and we try to like protect the space for the kids um, so that they can explore and play as they wish. Um, but yeah, that, that's all right now. <laughs> oh, we also um, so we have a vacant property on our um, on our farm, and so hopefully in the summer we'll also be getting under getting underway with those renovations. So that is really exciting because that's a project I've been waiting on for two years. Wow. That's amazing. You had mentioned, are you all
0: doing a Juneteenth event as well? Yes.
1: Yes. So Juneteenth is a big one. Um, We're trying to make it a two-day extravaganza. Wow. (laughs) So June 19th. Um, which is the official Juneteenth day which is a Sunday is going to be about um, honoring the past and so we'll do a foraging to freedom walk we have um, an herbalist coming to do a medicine in you um, workshop teaching people how to make medicines Uh, we'll have music we'll have food we'll have vibes and then on the 20th um, since Juneteenth is a national holiday hey hey um, (laughs) most people don't have work so June 20th is looking to the future, um, and so we're going to do a lot of health and wellness things that day. There'll be a um, like a meditative walk through the woods um, that's led by a social worker and uh, nature therapist, um, and um, we'll have uh, some other offerings that I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but it's going to be popping. <laughs>
0: Awesome. How do we find bliss meadows urban farms? What's your uh, website, social media handlers, all those things.
1: So you can go to the website. It's uh, backyardbasecamp.org. Um, and there's a tab for Bliss Meadows on our website. Our social media is Instagram is backyard underscore base And Facebook is just backyard basecamp together. Um, and then you'll be able to find us on our website. There are also links to our social media as well and vice versa. If you go to social media first, you'll see the link to our website. Awesome. Do you have any closing remarks before I close this out for the day? hmm this is a good one um i'll just say get outside there's a song by jazzy ash that i absolutely love called be outside and like it's my favorite song um so we play it all the time it's like a jazzy type um type anthem to just like go outside
0: right right i love it okay i'm gonna have to check out this song all right. Well, thank you so much, Tia, for joining the DRW podcast show today. If you want to see or support this podcast, you can go to my website at DeannaReeseWilliams.com. Or you could also support this podcast by checking out my new book, Sweet Potatoes and Mud Pies. Thank you and continue to be blessed in nature. Until next time.